This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 148. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Beth Hannon. Beth discovered WordPress in 2008 and has been involved in the WordPress community since 2013 at meetups, WordCamps, and on the support team. Beth runs an agency, Beth Hannon Business Websites, where she specializes in WordPress and accessibility. Beth, welcome. Hey, great to be with you guys today. So nice to meet you, Beth. I've been a fan and a follower, and it's really great to see you face-to-face on a Zoom. <laughs> can you tell us, funny. yeah, can you tell us and our listeners more about yourself and Bet Hannon Business Websites? Yeah, so I discovered WordPress in 2008. Um, I had been um, working, I uh, had a 15-year-plus career in nonprofit management, um, and near the end of that time, I had been doing drag and drop websites and email newsletters and my organization downsized my position right at the beginning of the financial crisis in 2008. And I started, I kind of fell into um, that people would pay you to do those things independent of being a part of their staff. And so uh, when I went to a weekend conference and I met a guy that I knew was an iOS app developer and we were talking and I was telling him what I was doing. He said, oh, you should be doing those word, those websites in WordPress. And I said, I don't even know what that is. And so we went, we went both went back home and um, we call, had a phone call where we both at the same time logged into the back end. This was before you Zoom and all those things, right? So we, um, we logged into the back end of his WordPress website and I, my mind was blown. It was just a love at first sight. And... Uh, got involved doing WordPress websites, and then um, went to my first WordCamp in 2013, went to WordCamp LA, and just started meeting people in the WordPress community. It was just a, just an amazing thing to me, and always still is, every time I go to a WordCamp, just to meet people from all over the world, even when you go to small little WordCamps, uh, people come from really far away sometimes, and or or just doing super cool things with WordPress. And uh, I re- just really love talking to people. As Liam knows, Liam and I met in 2015 when we were both on the check-in desk for um, WordCamp US in Philly. Ah, okay. And, yeah, Liam uh, was, that's I think when I met Liam for the first time as well was in person <laughs> was 2015 WordCamp US, or maybe it was yeah. Philly before that, anyway. My first WordCamp was also in 2013, and I'm and I started using it a little bit later than you, around 2010. So, I'm curious about that experience of having worked in WordPress on your own for five years or so before discovering that WordPress community or WordCamps, and if that changed the way that you work, the way that you use WordPress, what you do, the the. I guess, um, the quality of your work, perhaps. How did that impact your work discovering WordPress community after doing it by yourself or without the community? Um, well, I had kind of been involved a little bit in the community in the sense of I found the support forums. And I'm not even sure really where I kind of ran onto those, um, but I discovered that I could you know, put things together in terms of 
you know, getting answers to questions or issues that had come up. And so I had been already beginning to, to kind of do that a little bit. And I'm not even sure how I heard about WordCamp LA, but there was a community of people. I was living in Fresno at the time, and there was a, a kind of a growing tech community there. Um, and some folks that were really working at and have actually done been quite successful at growing, um, doing tech education and entrepreneurship and, you know, kind of... Uh, trying to grow the tech economy there, but in particular, reaching out to underserved communities to help people find ways to make good living and, uh, you know, that that they might not have otherwise already had, you know, people from, you know, generational systemic poverty. And so, um, you know, I'd been involved in some of that community and, and had connections there a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was just coming, going to, and just meeting people. And so, you know, I had, uh, I had been using, uh, you know, there were some particular plugins and themes that I had kind of found and were using. And then when I went to, uh, not so much at WordCamp LA, but then the next year in San Francisco met, like met the developers of the products that I use and they were, and that they were interested in talking to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's really different. Right. It's not a, uh, they, that they really were, uh, uh, you know, just eager to chat with people and open with, and that I was seeing, seeing people who were, uh, I knew that this, this developer and another, uh, developer A and developer B had competing project, you know, products, plugins, and yet they just seemed like they liked each other and they teased one another and they joked around and uh, supported one another. And I just really loved that sense of community. And it was in San Francisco that I had volunteered. And then someone said, are you staying for contributor day? And I already had my train ticket back to Fresno. And I said, no, I can't, I can only stay for part. What is that? And they said, oh, these teams. And they introduced me to the teams. And I thought, oh, I teach people about WordPress a lot. Maybe I should go to the training team. So I sat at the training team and it was pretty clear that was more um, doing um, learning plans, lesson plans. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that, that didn't connect so much for me, but just at the other end of the table was the support team. And those are the people that do the forums and they were having a lot of fun and joking around and, and I ended up kind of just migrating down the table and uh, got involved with the support team and answered questions on the forums and uh, volunteering on that. And just really, you know, that sense of community. And then every, every time you go to a WordCamp, then you're meeting some of those same people, but you're also meeting new people. And I have actually, I will confess, I'll make a confession on your podcast that there have been a few WordCamps where I never actually went to a presentation. That I actually only ever did the hallway track. And I was perfectly fine with that. So. Can I ask, since you're confessing and we're going to go all <laughs> candid now, Ben, <laughs> did you even look at the schedule? <laughs> Um, sometimes no, <laughs> or I look, I will, I would say I probably looked at it to see if there was anything that really caught my attention that I really wanted to go see. And there were, and I do go to presentations. I'm not saying I never do, but no, I know that I'm but, not trying to make but it look the, bad. No, no. Well, I don't think it's bad to go and really just have this be about, you're, you're there, you're connecting with people. I mean, that's a big piece of what the WordCamp is. It's not just about like, educating people in terms of making presentations, but what it's about, you know, connecting and making those connections and 
um, you know, figuring out how you can make a contribution, but also, you know, when you're networking and you can meet the people from your hosting company and you can meet the people from the plugins that you're using or the themes that you're using or the cert learn about new services in the, you know, vendors area and those kinds of things. So I just, I just really love going. And in the last, I would say three years, I really started focusing more on, I, I'm really, I really like traveling. But if I go to WordCamps, I can write that off as a business experience. I hear you. And yeah. So let's just go to pick pick WordCamps in you know until COVID, right? I would pick. I would look at the where are there WordCamps that I might want to travel. And so I've been to London and been to Paris. And, yeah, it's been kind of fun. That's a great way to do it. But I want to ask you uh, about accessibility. We mentioned, or I mentioned specifically in your introduction that you focus and specialize on that. Talk a little bit about that because accessibility yeah. in web has been around for a while, um, but it's relatively newish in terms of wider profile, wider understanding, wider acceptance, wider uh, appreciation for the value. Can you chat a little bit about those things as well as how you came to focus and specialize on that? Yeah, so we, um, in uh, 2017, early 2017, I think, um, we had a client that we had been doing administrative maintenance for for quite some time come to us and a, a water district in California, a large agricultural water district. And because of the way they are were, are, were uh, connected to the state of California, they were going to be uh, required to make their site uh, compliant under California Section 508 standards. And so they came to us and asked about that. And, and I said, well, we, and they, they wanted to do a redesign and, and make their site compliant. And I said, well, we don't, we don't have a lot of we don't have any experience doing that, but maybe we can help you find someone. And they said, you know, you know, we, we really like you guys and we like the work you're doing. We'd like to all learn at this together, which was this amazing opportunity for us, right? And so our team dived in and we did a lot of training and a lot of learning about accessibility and uh, worked with the client. Uh, and it's a fairly, uh, their IT team is fairly sophisticated too. Uh, but you know, lots of things like they have a long history of putting out PDF reports. So they had thousands of PDF reports that none of which were compliant and <laughs> putting together lots of agendas and because of their, have a state it's they're part of the state of California and under their charter, they have to, uh, there's transparency rules. And so they have to have things that are out there and have to have them out in accessible ways. And we dived, so we dived in and we were learning a lot about accessibility. And, um, you know, I kind of had a sort of passing acquaintance. I think I'd heard about accessibility at a WordCamp or meetup before. Um, but, you know, when we dived in and, and I, I first got my glimpses of what an accessible website experience means for somebody who has a disability. And we're not talking about just people who, you know, you might typically we think about people who are blind or 
and mobility impairments. But when you think about people who are temporarily disabled because they broke their hand and they can't use a mouse or people who are situationally have situational challenges, like they have a squirming baby or what, you know, when you, when you start thinking about accessibility and all the ways that it impacts people and how it really can make a, real differences in people's lives, it, we were just hooked. Our team just got hooked on that sense of what a contribution, uh, how, you know, you're putting out a good karma, but you're, you're doing something that really impacts people's lives. And so it's not just about selling web, you know, making websites to sell widgets anymore. Well, we say widgets in the word we widgets in WordPress are different, but you know economic. We know where you were going. Yeah, we knew happened. what you meant. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, it's not just about selling widgets, but it's about do helping people learn how to do accessibility and kind of um, moving people into thinking about accessibility. So, um, so we've we've kind of been growing and. Um, specializing about that, you know, I'd long heard in terms of business that you need to niche down and specialize uh, more, and we never really worked with any one vertical of we'd worked with a lot of nonprofits. We worked with a lot of different levels of businesses. Uh, but yeah, accessibility has really kind of gotten to be our thing. And so we have, you know, folks on our team that really specialize in a lot of the mechanics of that. And our content people are helping people, you know, because when you do accessibility well, it also uh, often really helps your SEO, right? So uh, the content people are helping to do that. We offer training. So um, yeah, it's been really exciting to um, feel like you're, you're doing, uh, you're making a difference in the world it, it, as a part of what you do for a living. So that's really Yeah. Uh, accessibility is a huge topic. I think it's intimidating, right? Because you hear oh. about lawsuits and things like that. And yeah. I know there are lots of um, agencies that are that are leaning towards that. And there are tools, right, that you can use now. I saw a presentation from uh, Amber Hines. She has some mm -hmm. kind of a testing tool, right? Um, so what kind of process do you go through uh, to make it less intimidating for your clients? Or and, and are you, since that's your specialty, are you finding people are finding you and coming to you for for accessibility specifically, or is it I need a website and then you tell them about accessibility and they're like, oh, well then I definitely want to hire you. What's that process like? <laughs> well, we get both and. We're getting a few people finding us that are that are already interested in accessibility, but then also we do a lot of educating with people along the way. And they're usually when you talk to them, they're, they're uh, a part of that. I think, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when we were starting to learn more about accessibility, get involved in the WordPress accessibility community. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was as a developer, never put accessibility on a proposal as something that can be optional, right? You, you the, the idea, when, when you stop to think about it, right, it's sort of like, uh, it's, why would you want to make it easy for the client to say, oh, I know, I don't think I need that. I'm just going to exclude all these, you know, I'm going to throw these disabled, these people with disabilities under the bus. Uh, and so we just don't ever do that. That was really some of the best advice I got was we stake our reputation as developers on doing things accessibly. And so we, we go in saying, we, we're going to do this uh, you know, we're only going to make accessible websites. However, of course, you get clients that come back like 
you know, we have a client now who is, we're working with them and they came with their own design pieces that had already been done. And of course their main button color isn't, doesn't have enough color contrast. And so we said, well, you can you need to darken that color to this much. No, we're not going to change that. So now then I make them sign a release that says, we've informed you that this color is not, does not meet uh, WCAG standards. And uh, you release us from all liability in the event of a future lawsuit. Um, you're going to pay all of our expenses because you know that if they got sued, we as the developers would get called in to do something and so on. Anyway, but, but I don't want to ask you if that's uh, the specifics often. on that, but that strikes me in this day and age as a client that, I mean, when when your when your vendors say if you really want us to do us, sign a release that says we can. That's really interesting. Have you had more than one uh, client willing to sign that? Only one, because usually when you go back to that point, when you get to that point, they go, "Oh, this maybe I should take this seriously." Yeah, maybe we need to talk to counsel about this. <laughs> <laughs> you think, right? But these folks, I'm not, and they're fairly large. So I'm not sure what the story is on all of that, but the, I was really surprised that they were willing to sign it and, um, and go forward, but maybe they're going to come back and visit that later. But um, yeah, so we kind of um, wor work with that. So people come, um, we're educating them a little bit. And then I can't remember the rest of your question, Tara. Oh, it was a lot. It was a couple of questions. It was, I was asking you also about tools and, and oh, how tools, if people are finding you that way, but. Um, the tools, so there are a proliferation of accessibility testing tools out there. So one of the big ones is wave.webaim.org. That's one of the big ones that you can uh, test. And then there's Axe Lighthouse and some, some other ones. Um, the really important thing to remember is that those automated tools can only help you find about 30% of the issues on any one site. Um, so much really just has to be human tested. And so one of the examples I would give is sort of like, well, an automated tool can tell you whether or not you have alt tags on an image, but it can't tell you about whether they are helpful alt tags, right? If the alt tag is, you know, 529.jpg, it's the, the title of the image, that doesn't really help. That's not really compliant. And so beginning to think about how you, um, they, they only catch some percentage of those. So you always need to have some sorts of human testing going on. Yeah, interesting. And I know it does conflict with design a lot. Uh, it's it's it very can. challenging. But you know, the perception, the thing that I, that we kind of fight about, I, I'm wondering, I've been toying with, maybe we should find a way to put in our tagline, you know, accessible and beautiful. Because I think the perception yeah. is that if it's accessible, that it's ugly mm -hmm. and plain and very, you know, 2009. And that's just not true. You can make really beautiful things that are accessible. Yeah, And, you know, our developer has been working on doing um, a, well, one of the things that's notoriously not accessible is uh, our sliders, which of course we would rather not have them do, but, uh, you know, but there are accessible ways to do sliders or there are accessible ways to do, um, you know, quote, rotating testimonials or some of those kinds of things, right? Um, but, you know, figuring out how you can do those in accessible ways is 
Yeah, yeah, interesting. Thanks for sharing all that information. Um, I'd like to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests, which is about your definition of success. And that can relate to as a business owner, as a human being, as a member of your community, whatever, however you define success in your life, if you would share that with us um, and how you how you implement that, that philosophy. Yeah. I, I think success is when you're able to make a positive difference in the lives of other people. So th whether that's my family or my community or my, you know, our customers or our, my employees, um, just really being able to help make someone's life better. And, and so when we, um, you know, like trying to work with uh, all the accessibility stuff. That's a, that's a huge piece of success for me, but also, you know, uh, I, I hired and brought on em employees in the business and, you know, it wasn't until like uh, just we're, I think we're on our third or fourth year of offering health insurance benefits. Right. So being, being able to, to do that. And um, when uh when one of my employees was able to buy a, her first house, it was like, I think I was as excited as they were, right? That, that, that part of what I had done in building this business made it possible for this person to buy a house. And, uh, you know, those kinds of things in terms of really just um, making a difference, making a difference. Yeah. I like the constructive nature of that, the very tactile nature of making a positive impact in someone's life. And it can be big and it can be small. How do you, how do you assess a day when inevitably you'll have helped some people? Depending on your day, you might've set a few people back and maybe there's other people who just kind of ships passing in the day, you know, through no fault of anybody, just there's no good or bad. How do you then evaluate whether a day or a week or a month or a year has been a success? What does that look like for you? I just, I, I really do. And I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I, I really don't hang on to the hard stuff, awful stuff too much. There, there are occasional ones where it just really sticks under your skin, but you're human. For them, I am. I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, we won't go into those stories, but you know, I think even if it's just one person, right. And it's not even like, if it's this, uh, you know, um, I went to the gross, I happened to go out to do, uh, an errand this morning, went by the grocery store, just like m moving a cart for someone, Right. So like, it doesn't have to be big. It can be like really small things. And I like, I feel good without that. And I hang on to that. And that made the, that makes the day successful. Even if there's other things that are not as pleasant or not as easy, or I may have, uh, and you know, sometimes you have to, um, <laughs> Sometimes when you're the boss, you have to come in and say things, you know, we're going to do it this way. Or, you know, uh, my kids are grown now, but I certainly had to do that with my kids when they were growing up. And, um, so, 
Yeah, I get that. I like that. And I think it's, it strikes so me as that, that your approach is really relevant in that we just don't know what seems little and simple and throwaway to us in the moment can be, you know, so impactful to somebody else who at that point in time, they're having a terrible day and that you, a stranger, moved the cart out of the way so that they could get in and not have to ding their car or get out and move it themselves and restores their little faith in humanity kind of thing. I think those are really important aspects to keep in mind. So thank you I for try. for walking us through I've that. I've been doing, yeah, you know, sometimes, and sometimes you do things that you hope will later come back to be little things like that. So like, um, we became grandparents for the first time in May last year. And Congratulations. Yay. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. She's adorable. Um, and uh, our kids, um, they, they live east of St. Louis. So, I mean, it's a, it's a long way. And of course, COVID okay. is restricting travel stuff and, and all of that. So, I don't know, maybe like, uh, she's, she's nine months old now, but maybe after she was about four months old, I got the idea. Did you ever do, uh, you ever see postagrams where you can like use a photo and send a, a postcard? So I have that app on my phone and I used it before. So I got to where I was sending Lauren, who's like not able to read and very, you know, not even really paying attention to things very far along, uh, a postagram every week or so with a little message on it and it has the picture. And then I sent her mom, I, this plastic tub, a store, little plastic storage tub. And I said, you save all of those, put them in there and pull them out and read her messages from grandma. (laughs) That's a wonderful (laughs) idea. But you know, it's kind of like, um, you hope that the little things that you do, like, especially when you're grandparenting from far away, right. Um, that some of those little things will kind of keep building up over time and, yeah, that's lovely. It strikes me also in the things that you've mentioned that um, that there is there are two different approaches to this idea of having a positive impact on people. One of them is conscious, a conscious effort, and the other is sort of a natural effort. And maybe the, maybe doing more conscious things leads to a, a natural, a more um, a habit or a natural. But you know, it's not like you go to the grocery store saying, "Today I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to help someone with their cart," right? But you do go and say maybe this week I'm going to send my granddaughter a card or this week I'm going to send my friend a card who I know is having a hard time or I'm going to choose someone to do something nice for. So I think the combination of the two really makes it a a most beautiful thing because giving it a conscious effort, I think is super important in terms of just your own personal growth and, and feeling good about helping someone. But mixing in those little impulsive random yes um instinctual things i think can't they can't be uh they can't be measured in the same way so thank you for sharing that with us that's that's really excellent i appreciate that uh i'm going to ask you the other question we ask everyone which is and and maybe it'll be along the same line but it is about advice and we'd love it if you'd share with us some advice that you've received at some point and and that's meant something to you and that you've implemented in your life can you share something like that with us um, yeah, um, I don't know if I, I, it wasn't something I heard from anyone in explicitly, um, but for a very long time, um, I've really sort of lived um, business-wise 
but also kind of personal life, um, under promise and over deliver. And so that helps me. Um, I, I used to be ages ago, a person who would over promise and then get so overwhelmed that I would not be able to sometimes follow through on everything or, or I would just break myself <laughs> trying to get it all done when I promise. So under promising, when I, when I sort of like internalize that, it's like, oh, I got to have a realistic boundary about this. And so that helps me be really conscious about that, right? In terms of um, of all of that. But then, you know, delighting people. People are delighted. You, uh, other people in my life, clients, <laughs> you know, uh, family members. All when you when you overpromise and underdeliver, that's a bad relationship kind of thing. People don't feel good. Nobody feels good. When you underpromise and overdeliver, everybody feels good. <laughs> so if I could kind of live with more of that sort of advice, that's uh, and I think it's really important for people who are um, freelancing or doing development stuff. Um, yeah, thinking about that too. It's helpful. Do you do that in self-talk also? Like, uh, I don't know. In, I'm trying to think of some ways. For me, if I let's say I'm going out for a run or something like that, or, or I'm doing a race, and I'll say, I know I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be fast, and I tell myself that because I don't want to dis be disappointed in myself. So, do you also apply that to yourself? I, I try. I yeah. I say, <laughs> I'm just gonna get on the treadmill for ten minutes, <laughs> just ten minutes. And of course, I have, you know, and I was really good at the beginning of January and then poosh, that all crashed. But, you know, that's what I tell myself in my head. I only need to do 10 minutes. I could five minutes. I could just do five minutes. And of course, invariably, when I get there, I do a little bit longer. But, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I do try to get myself motivated that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you do the same strategy with yourself. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I really like that undersell. And over over deliver or under promise and over deliver. I wonder if you can tell. Yeah, not undersell, under promise and, and over deliver. How long did you you talked about that? It wasn't something that you've always been able to do. What was that journey like for you? What was that transition like? Was that something that you just made a call one day and like you know what I've been burned enough by my own approach? I'm doing it different, or did it take time? that it was burned but it was definitely just feeling the stress of it right and that it's more stressful and realizing oh my gosh if I if I did even just a little bit more than what I had said if I deliver this project a week before I said I would deliver it how excited people are <laughs> I was like I would much rather people be excited like that than to be um you know more complicated or have those negative sort of interactions with people so yeah i get that i get that and speaking of positive feelings uh we are running out of time i can't believe it's been 30 it's minutes already uh but thank you so much for joining us before we say goodbye can you please share where people can find you online yeah you can uh reach me on twitter at at bet hannon and you can find me, uh, our website is bhmbizsites, B-I-Z-S-I-T-E-S.com. And there's a contact form there. So. Great. Thank you so much, Beth. It's great having Delightful. you today on the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Hope to meet you in person soon. Me too. <laughs> bye for now, Beth. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.